right, now, brothers and sisters, if you will, open your Bibles with me. Today's text is Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, toward the end of our Bibles, you'll find the book of Hebrews. It's decently big, not too hard to miss. Hebrews chapter 13, one verse today, verse 17. Today, we're talking about church membership. Church membership, and as we get started, I want to pose three questions that I think a number of people ask about this subject of church membership. Questions that I think are understandable for people to ask because it's not always that clear. The first question is this, what even is church membership? If you hear somebody say, I'm, I'm a member of such and such church, or perhaps you've been to a funeral where you, you hear the obituary read and it says they were a member of such and such church. What does that even really mean? Especially for those who did not grow up in the church. This can be language that is very foreign. What, what is church membership? Is church membership like a gym membership? As, as, as long as I signed up, I'm a member, but it doesn't really matter if I'm there or not. Right? Can 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 I get a witness here? Is it hard to get to the gym? If you've got a gym membership, has it been hard to get to the gym the last week? Because when it's freezing cold, I don't want to go, right? And so have, have any of you ever had one of those gym memberships that you paid for but you never used, right? New Year's resolution or something like that? That happens. Is, is that what church membership is? Like, it doesn't really matter if I'm there or not. As long as I, I signed up to be a member, I'm a member. Is church membership like a country club membership, a country club membership, where as long as I pay my dues, I get access to the benefits of that place and that that group. Is church membership like a donor's recognition list, right? For all of those who who, who give money to the organization, we recognize them in the community so that everyone will, will know that they gave. Or is it like being a member of, let's say, a rotary club, where we, we just get together with a, a certain group of like-minded people to do some good for the, the community? Is it just a way of having voting rights in the church when it comes to important decisions that are being made? Or is it, as many people see it today, especially in our area of the country, is it just a way of saying, this is my home church, this is where my family has always belonged? What in the world is church membership? People are asking that question. The second question that I think many people ask about this is, why should I even care? Why, why should I even care about church membership? I mean, think about it. Many people will, will be thinking, I can attend worship every single week and not be a member of that church officially. I can even give money to that church every single week. I can, I can be involved in that church in a number of ways and not be an official member. So why, why should I care about this? It sounds like it's just a piece of paper, a, a formality that is honestly, if sometimes the way people think about it, honestly needless. And then third, some Christians will ask this question. Is church membership even biblical? Is church membership even biblical? One of the things I'm so thankful for about the Christian churches is that we try to do only what is in the Bible. And we, we're not going to bind people's consciences by saying that you must do things that the Bible never says you must do. We're trying to be as biblical as we can be. So if the Bible says it, we're going to do it. If the Bible doesn't say it, 
We can't bind people's consciences on that. We're not going to make a, a law or a rule where the Bible makes no such rule. I'm always very thankful that we have a heritage in our churches like that. And then the question then becomes, well, on church membership then, is it, is it even biblical? Is it even biblical? I mean, when someone puts their faith in Christ, they become a Christian, and they become a member of the global body of Christ. It doesn't matter where you go to church. It doesn't matter if you're an actual member of any particular church. If you become a Christian, you're a member of the body of Christ globally. Does church membership even matter when it comes to the Bible? Furthermore, you won't find the phrase church membership in the Bible. You can look all you want to. It's not in there. Church membership as a phrase is not in the Bible. You never see a membership ceremony or anything like that in the Bible. And so is this even biblical? I'll tell you before we get into our passage today, there's another word that you never see in the Bible that I don't think any of us would question whether or not it's biblical, and that's the word trinity. Trinity, right? We, we worship God as three in one. We sang about that when we sang holy, 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 God in three persons, Right? Blessed Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. It's a divine mystery, but we believe in it. We think that is exactly who God is, and we, think it's, we, we see it all over Scripture, but we never see the word Trinity. You see, the concept is all over, but the word's not there. And the same, brothers and sisters, is true for church membership. When you read through the letters of Paul or Peter or James or John in the New Testament, you will find the concept of being a committed member of a particular local body of Christ all over the place. And you will find it all over the place in the book of Hebrews. Today, we look at one verse in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 13, verse 17. I'll ask you to look at that with me as we read our text today. Hebrews 13, verse 17. This is God's word. There we read. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Today, I'm arguing that this is a verse on church membership, and I want to put it to you in three different ways. Number one, we're going to look at the church's responsibility to its members from this verse. The church's responsibility to its members. Number two, the member's responsibility as a member of the church, their responsibility to the church. And then finally, we're going to tie it all up and ask that question, why then church membership? Why should we care about it? So first, the church's responsibility to its members. Notice a couple things here in this text. Look back with me, if you will. Notice that it says leaders, church leaders, will have to give an account. They are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now then the question becomes, to whom and for whom? They will have to give an account, but who do they have to give an account to? And who do church leaders have to give an account for? Who are they accountable to and who are they accountable for? I think the first question there is a little bit more obvious than the second. Almost all would agree that this passage is saying church leaders are going to give an account to God himself for those under their spiritual care. They're going to give an account to God. 
We're thankful that that's in the Bible today. We're thankful that that's the way that God set things up. Why? Well, because sometimes people in authority abuse that authority. Sometimes people in authority abuse those under their authority. And so we're thankful that the Lord holds leaders accountable for the way that they treat the people under their authority, for the way that they serve them, for the way that they care for them. Church leaders will give an account to God for how they shepherded those under their spiritual care. This is accountability at the highest level. But second, not only who are they accountable to, who are they accountable for? Who are church leaders accountable for? Well, those under their their leadership. Notice this verse is addressed to those who have leaders over them. This, This verse is addressed to all of us who have leaders over us. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. It's addressed to all who have leaders over them. And it says these leaders are doing what? They are keeping watch over your souls. And so church leaders will give an account to God for the people under their care. But who is that? Who are the people under their care? Who are the people that church leaders are keeping watch over their souls? Is it all people everywhere? Well, that that can't be right. That would be impossible. Must be believers, at least. Is Is it all believers everywhere? Are church leaders responsible for all believers everywhere and keeping watch over their souls? No, that would be impossible as well. Well, is it, is it then all Christians in our community? Are the church leaders in our community responsible for keeping watch over all the Christians in this community? That can't be right. That can't be possible. What about just anybody who attends their church? Anybody who attends a worship service every now and then, who kind of just comes in, attends, and, and gets out. Are they responsible for keeping watch over those souls? And I'm going to argue, no, that's not even it either. Who will I and the elders of this church give an account for when we stand before God on Judgment Day? And what I'm arguing for this morning is that it's this. We will stand before God and give an account for how we shepherded the souls of those who placed themselves under our spiritual care. We will give an account to God for the souls and for how we cared for the souls of those who placed themselves under our spiritual care. Listen to Paul's words from Acts chapter 20. This is Paul speaking to the elders at the church at Ephesus. Okay, the elders at the church at Ephesus, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul says to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Paul is saying to these elders, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That's the the same word where we get shepherds or elders. The Holy Spirit has made you overseers of this particular flock. And you are to pay attention to them. You are to care for them. Brothers and sisters, when you become a member of a church, when you place membership at a church, you are not saying, well, I'm going I'm to give this church my offering each week so that they'll give me the benefits of being a member there. That's not what you're saying. When you place membership at a church, you are not saying, this is the church I want listed in my obituary when I die. 
That's, that sounds odd, but believe it or not, that's kind of the way a number of people think about church membership, especially in this region. What you are doing when you place membership at a church is you are saying, I am placing myself under the care of these particular church leaders, and I am committing to this particular group of people as my church family. That's what we're doing when we become a member of a church. We're saying, I'm placing myself under the spiritual care of these leaders, and I am committing to these people, this group of people as my church family. And so, what should you expect from the leaders when you commit to a church? What what should you expect from a church when you commit to it? Because you should have some expectations of them. They have a charge before the Lord to do certain things for you. What should you expect from the leaders of a church when you commit to it? Well, number one, you should expect the leaders of that church to fulfill the requirements of church leaders listed in places like 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, if you want to look at these later on, they're the qualifications God gives for elders and deacons. And specifically, almost all of them are character-oriented. These are the kind of people that these men must be to lead this church. So you should expect the leadership at this church to fulfill those requirements in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. But what about their actions? What should you expect on their actions? Well, what does our text say? Verse 17, it says, they are to keep watch over your souls. To keep watch over your soul. What does it mean for a church leader to keep watch over your soul? Number one, it means teaching. Listen to Titus 1.9. This is specifically Paul's words about elders. It says, he, an elder, must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. Paul's charge to elders in a church is that the elders are to know the word to the level that they can not only give instruction in sound doctrine to teach it rightly to those who are under their care, but also to rebuke those who actually contradict sound doctrine, to turn them away from false belief or false teaching. And so teaching is one thing that you should expect from your church leaders. This could be through sermons. This could be through Sunday school or Wednesday classes or something like that, through publications, even one-on-one teaching. You should expect teaching from your church leaders. You should also expect soul care from your church leaders. When you commit to a church, this one or any church, you should expect them to care for your soul. Hebrews 13 talks about this. Listen to 1 Peter 5. Paul's words, or Peter's words, I'm sorry, to elders in 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 2, he says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain but eagerly. Now notice, Peter says to the elders there, Shepherd the flock of God among you. It's another reason why we believe that there is such a thing as membership in a local church, placing yourself under the care of particular shepherds, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And notice how we've heard this this language multiple times now, shepherd and flock, shepherd and flock. The spiritual leaders of a church are called shepherds in scripture. And those under their care 
are called sheep, called a flock. And so just as any good shepherd leads and feeds and tends to and cares for and nurses his flock, so our spiritual shepherds do to us in a church. Soul care. This might mean hospital visits or home visits. It might mean counseling and praying with you during different times of need. It might mean checking up on you to see how you are doing spiritually. Now and then, and working with you through spiritual issues. Brothers and sisters, understand something. Do not be alarmed or offended if myself or an elder in this church asks you how you are doing spiritually. Don't automatically think, what's going on? Does that mean something's wrong? Did I do something bad? Am I in trouble? No. It's our job before the Lord to watch over your soul. Not just to care for your physical needs, to care for your soul before the Lord. It's our job to check up on people and to see not only how they're doing physically, how are you doing with the Lord? How are you doing in your walk with God? That's our duty before the Lord. At times, this might even mean physical care, financial care, care for those kinds of needs. But it's it's spiritual first and foremost. Spiritual accountability is what our leaders should give to us. Our leaders are told by Christ and by Paul and the other apostles to go after wayward sheep. And so as as a member of the church myself, if I ever begin walking away from the Lord in a way that, 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 that is seen by the church, especially by the elders of this church, I expect our elders to come after me. And to confront me in love and to bring me back, to try to bring me back at least. To speak the truth to me in love. Brothers and sisters, we are to be doing that to one another, Paul says in Ephesians. Speak the truth to one another in love. And if you genuinely love a person, sometimes you might have to confront them about their walk with the Lord. It's not not getting up into your business. It's not getting up into your private life. If a church leader speaks to you about your walk with the Lord, it's because they love you, they care about you, and they love the Lord. They are discharging their duty before God as a leader of this church. Brothers and sisters, we have come to believe the the, the lie that church is something we do for an hour each week on Sunday mornings. The church is something that we do for an hour each week when we come together on Sunday mornings. Brothers and sisters, that is not what church means. Church is a group of people who are committed to one another, helping one another follow Jesus, helping one another hold on to Jesus until we can finally let go, right? That's what a church is, and it is the Lord's good wisdom and providence to give us leaders who care for our souls, whom we place ourselves under whom we obey and submit to. And so that's the church's responsibility to you. You should have expectations of the church when you commit to it. But also the member, the church member has responsibilities to the church when they commit to it. If you become a member of a church, you have responsibilities to that church. First and foremost, you are committing to the other members. When you become a member of a church, you're committing to a group of people. You're committing to those particular people in a way that you don't commit to the entire world. Listen to Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 10. 
Paul writes, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And never be wise in your own sight. Brothers and sisters, if there was ever a passage that taught us how to act as members of a church, it's that one right there. How to treat one another as members of a church. Did you know in the New Testament there are 60 commandments that tell us how to treat one another? We often call them the one another passages. There's 60 of them that tell us how to treat one another. And I'm here to tell you, it's not just telling you how to treat all Christians everywhere. Of course you should love everyone in the world. Of course you should love especially your brothers and sisters in Christ. But these one another passages in the New Testament over and over again are telling us how to love particularly those that we have committed to in our body of Christ. Those that we have committed to. Galatians 6 verse 2 is a a beautiful one. Galatians 6 verse 2. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We bear one another's burdens as a church. When your brother or sister in Christ has a burden, that means you've got a burden. You take it upon yourself. You take it upon your shoulders too, and you bear it with them. Whether it's battling a certain sin, whether they are grieving the loss of a loved one, perhaps it's a prolonged illness, perhaps it's a financial strain in their life. But what we are called to do is to draw near and to make their problems our problems. We commit to one another when we become members of a church. Now, these people's problems are my problems. Church membership means you place yourself in the life of a church. You commit to caring for the other members. But here's what you also do. You are also to open yourself up to the spiritual care of others. When you commit to a church... You are saying, I'm going to open myself up to their care. Often that's the harder part for many of us. For many of us, it's not hard to to care and to give and to help when someone else needs help. Sometimes it's hard for us in in our self-reliance, in our, we might say even in our pride. Sometimes it's hard for us to receive care, to let others serve us. Do you remember Peter in the upper room and Jesus comes to wash his feet? And Peter says, no, you're... You're not going to wash my feet, Lord. And Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. He had to to let Jesus wash his feet. It was a difficult thing for him to actually do, to humble himself and allow Christ to serve him. Sometimes we have to do that as church members, to allow others to serve us and meet our needs. Let me ask you this question. Does anyone in your church know you well enough that they would know if you were hurting or struggling? Does anyone in your church know you well enough that they would know when you were hurting or struggling? That they would know you needed their help? That they would know you needed attention? Does anyone in your church know you well enough to do that? Part of committing to a body of Christ is committing to open yourself up 
to the life of that church and to their ministry. You should also, you should also note in, in our text today, go back to verse 17, chapter 13, verse 17. Church members are expected to obey and submit to their leaders. Obey your leaders and submit to them, the Hebrews author tells us. Now, what does this look like? A part of what it looks like is supporting them when you may even disagree on matters of opinion. Supporting your leaders, even when you disagree. It's easy to support them when you agree with everything they're doing. Do we support them when we might disagree with the direction they're taking, but we we, we, we submit to their wisdom. We submit to their leadership and their choice of direction. Once a month here at Columbia Christian, our elders and our deacons meet together to discuss the, the business and the goings-on and the people of this church and everything that we might need to attend to in this church. And sometimes within those meetings, there are disagreements. Sometimes even within those meetings, people disagree on what our course of action should be on something. But at the end... Whenever we settle on something, even if everyone does not agree initially, we all come together on that singular direction. And we all say, we're we're all going to get behind that. Every single one of us is going to get behind that and be united in this for the unity of our church. The same thing is happening over and over again in healthy churches where members are submitting to their leaders, even when they might not agree with what they're they're doing or the direction they are setting. Church membership means giving. It means giving. Paul even said it there in Romans chapter 12. Giving and trusting. Giving and trusting the elders and the deacons to direct those funds in a way that pleases God. Part of what we have to do when we give our offering each week is to trust those who make the decisions with that money. We trust that they're making decisions in accordance with the will of the Lord and the good of those whom they are trying to help. Submitting to our leaders and obeying them means responding to those church leaders when they put out a call for service or need in the church community. They they put out a call, we we need help here, we need people to serve, we need people to do this or that. And we respond because we've committed to this church and we've committed to obeying and submitting to our leaders. When, when someone comes to me and says, I want to place membership at this church, I go over these expectations. I tell them, here's what you should expect from us as a church, but I also give them seven commitments that we expect from our members. Seven commitments that we expect from our members, all taken directly from Scripture. Here they are, just in quick succession. Seek the Lord. We expect our members to be seeking the Lord in their personal lives, to realize the church needs you and that you need the church. The church needs you and you need the church. To commit to regularly attending corporate worship. To serve in some way, eventually to find some way to serve the church. To minister to your brothers and sisters in the church. Just like we talked about, helping one another out, bearing one another's burdens. To give regularly to the mission of the church. And then finally, to live out the great commission where Jesus tells us, tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so, just so you know, if, if you ever want to place membership at this church, all it takes is 
for, for us to meet with you. Usually I meet with people like this and, and I, I, I ask, you know, when did you become a Christian? How did you become a Christian? I try to get a little backstory into to understanding because our membership is made up of those who are believers, those who have, have been baptized into Christ and have become believers in his name and followers of Jesus. And then I go over these expectations and that's, that's really it. And then that person, that, that family places membership. And so let's back up then this morning and finish with this. Why church membership? Why? Why would you become a member of a church? Well, it's kind of like the question that some dating couples ask. Some dating couples will ask, why should we get married? Why, why do we need to get married? Why, why do we need a formal ceremony and a, a, an official piece of paper to love each other? Why do we need that? Sounds kind of like the question we asked earlier. Why should I care about church membership? Well, here's the reason we get married. We get married because remaining single is like leaving the back door open. There's always a way out. We get married because we commit to this person. And we say, we're, we're, we're closing the back door. We're committing to this person for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, till death do us part. We're committing to each other. And the same is true for church membership. Brothers and sisters, friends, don't date the church. Commit to it. Don't date your church. Commit to it. If it's not here, commit to another church that faithfully teaches the Bible and lives out these principles. We're not the only faithful church here in this area. But membership means expressed commitment from both sides. You commit to the church and the church commits to you. Expressed commitment from both sides. The church commits to care for your soul, to hold you accountable to following Jesus, to serve you in many ways. And you commit to these people. You commit to the leadership. You commit to the mission. And you commit to Christ. Church membership is a wonderful antidote to the toxic individualism of our age. We have a society that is teaching this individualism that we might not see it on the surface, but it is toxic to every single one of us. This individualism that life is all about you and you should never limit yourself in any way for the, for the good of someone else. You should never submit to anyone else. You should never give of yourself to anyone else. Live for yourself. It's a toxic individualism of our age that says don't limit yourself in any way for anyone else. Church membership is the exact opposite. We are saying we're, we're going to voluntarily place limits on ourselves. We're going to voluntarily enter into this commitment that's going to require things of me. It's going to require me to deny myself and to give for others and for the Lord, to give of my time, to give of my energy and my, 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 my emotion and my money and so much more. Church membership is a wonderful antidote to the toxic individualism of our age. And this is why it makes no sense biblically. It makes no sense biblically to have your membership at a church where you rarely attend. I, I, have, I have encountered this, especially in our region of the, the country, 
and it baffles me. It baffles me. It, it, when you read the Bible, you don't see this anywhere. People are members of churches that they don't even go to. And how in the world can the elders of that church care for your soul if you're never even there? How in the world can you commit to those people if you're never even there? Being a member at a church you don't even attend makes no sense at all when it comes to the Bible. When we be, become a member of a church, we are admitting that we need help in this Christian life. I need you guys. I need you guys to help me hold on to Jesus. That's what we're doing. Helping one another hold on to Jesus until we can finally let go through either death or the return of Christ. That's what we're helping one another to do. We're helping one another to run this race and to finish it. That's what we are doing when we commit to one another. The Bible says Satan prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And when he sees someone who thinks they can live this Christian life apart from a local church, he is licking his chops. It's like the stray antelope who got separated from the herd. And so why join a church, brothers and sisters? It's because Jesus loves the church. In scripture, the church is called the body of Christ. It's even called at times the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. So saying, I love Jesus, I just kind of don't like the church. Well, that's like coming up to me and saying, hey, I like you, but I don't like your wife. Well, then you got a problem with me. Right? You got a problem with me. Because we're one. The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus is going to defend his church. And Jesus loves his church fiercely. And so, if it's true, what Paul says in Ephesians 5, that Jesus loved the church so much that he died for her. That's what it says in Ephesians 5. He loved the church so much that he died for her. If that is true, then church membership is actually so much more important than many of us realize. This is a gospel issue. This is a holding on to Jesus issue. It's a lot bigger of a deal than some piece of paper, some formality, some club type membership. Now we're, we're committing to one another. And as we're doing so, we're committing to Christ. So what I want to do right now, we do this every week here at the church. After we hear from the Lord, we respond to him. But it's not just an invitation for anyone who needs to respond publicly. We're going to have a few moments where all of us can respond privately. And so we encourage you to take these next few moments to pray to the Lord and to pour your heart out to him and to speak to him in response to whatever he has laid on your heart. We want to give everyone a chance to respond to, to God's word this morning. And so we're going to do that here in the next couple minutes in individual silent prayer. And then after we pray for a few moments individually, then we'll come back together and we'll have a time where anyone who needs to respond to God's word publicly can do so. So let's pray for a few moments.